Praise the Lord. He's a comfort to my soul. Praise the Lord. From whom all blessings flow. Praise the Lord. From whom all blessings flow. Praise the Lord. He's the sweetest name I know. Praise the Lord. He's a comfort to my soul. Praise the Lord, from whom all blessings flow. One more time. Praise the Lord, from whom all blessings flow. Praise the Lord, he's the sweetest name. I know, praise the Lord, he's a comfort to my soul, praise the Lord, from whom all blessings flow, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Turn to your neighbor and shake their hands and tell them I come to be a blessing tonight. Praise God. And you may be seated in Jesus' name. It's wonderful to feel the presence of God here tonight in this service, in our worship and praise, and all of our glory unto Him. I'm glad we can feel him when we do worship him. I believe we can feel him when we worship him. Praise the Lord. This is not some kind of hyped up uh, emotionalism. Uh, this is not something that uh, is just something we do and get all worked up over. But this is something we feel way down on the inside of us. Praise the Lord. Spontaneous praise and worship unto God. Our worship is not worth a, a nickel if uh, it has to be worked up and it has to be cheer-led. But our worship becomes value unto God when it just comes out of the rejoicing and the goodness of our heart and the depths of our souls. Nobody says to do it. We just, we just feel like doing it. We lift our hands and we praise Him and magnify Him together. Could we do it together tonight just out of the depths of our soul? Let's just thank Him. Praise the Lord. And uh, we're glad that uh, you have been here. All of your kind remarks, we appreciate that. The groceries you've brought in has just been wonderful. And we've enjoyed the fine hospitality of your pastor and wife. They have been fine hosts and hostess to us. I've been places before <clears throat> in revivals and have preached. And uh, people have gotten mad and didn't come back. 
but this is the first time that I've ever preached a revival that the pastor left. <laughs> I don't know if that's making any good points or not, but I'm glad that all is well there and that uh, God has protected him and I know that it was something he could not help and uh, we are glad that he's out safe and sound and to be rejoined to his family. Many of people have frozen to death in that kind of experience and uh, there was a particular incident happened not far from or in the city where I pastored just right on the edge of town a little old city of 4,500 population so you know it wasn't very big uh, she got stuck in a snow drift and got out of her car and wandered to a uh, shop that probably wasn't more than uh, two or three hundred feet in the process of getting out of her car and getting to that shop inhaling that cold air she died in the midst of that so God definitely had his hand of protection upon your pastor I think we ought to give God some praise for his protection the name of Jesus praise God praise God and we're looking forward to hearing great reports of revival coming out of Hutchison, Kansas. Uh, God just filling the pews and filling the altars and having to knock down walls and find some place to put all of them. That's a good problem to have. Every church likes to have that problem. And uh, I'm sure God will provide in that time. You say, Brother Borders, you're dreaming big. Well, does not the Bible say that we are to have our visions and to dream? and to believe him and if we're going to dream we might as well do it big and believe God for it and we're looking forward to hearing great reports of revival coming from here of souls being saved and hearts being changed I believe God's coming soon the rapture of the church is soon to happen and if we're going to see God move we're going to have to see him do it now praise God because we've just got a few more hours before we're going to leave this old world and what we're going to do we're going to have to do quickly and I want to be in this final countdown praise God I don't want to be like Judas Judas timing was all wrong Judas got out 53 days too early if he would have waited 53 more days that's all he would have had to have waited was 53 more days he would have been in Pentecost but he cut it short 53 days and he stepped out and another man took his place friend I want you to know you're going to get out too soon if you get out now you might as well stick it out a few more days because we're just about ready to leave this place to go to another world that God has prepared for us. And if anybody wants to come in, they're going to have to make their own place. They're not going to get mine. They're going to have to make their own place because I plan on staying right here until Jesus comes to take us home. Praise the Lord. I want to be watching and waiting for the coming of the Lord, the rapture of the church. Worship the Lord tonight with Sister Borders.
Nothing else will do. Nothing else will do. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If you would stand with us tonight, we want to turn to the word of the Lord. If you have your Bibles, you turn with us tonight to the book of Exodus chapter 20. The book of Exodus chapter 20. We also want to read from the book of Colossians chapter 2. The book of Exodus chapter 20. The book of Colossians, chapter 2. Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 8 begins reading Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. 
For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. In the book of Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, Paul again addressing uh, this subject of the Sabbath day begins in the 16th verse of Colossians chapter 2. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. I want to minister to you tonight on this subject, a better Sabbath day. That old Jew in the Old Testament looked forward with anticipation and excitement to Saturday. That was the day that he could park the oxen and he could lay aside all of his laboring and his work. That was the day that the maidservant took rest and that was the day that the manservant relaxed and everybody just communed with God and enjoyed the peace and the blissfulness of relaxation that wonderful day. It was a day that God himself had instituted in the fact that God rested the seventh day after that he had created the heavens and the earth, not because that it drained any divine power or drained any divine strength from God, but because that the Lord was instituting a covenant and a law that he wanted to teach to his people Israel. And then later on, he wanted to bring on down into a New Testament church to teach a very beautiful reality. That's the reason why the Bible tells us in the book of Exodus chapter 31 and verse number 16 that it was a perpetual covenant, a covenant that was without ending. It began when the Lord rested on the seventh day. It continued as types and shadows under Israel's law and then it was to proceed to fuller and richer significance in a New Testament church where he would pour out the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It was a day of rest. It was a day of uh, relaxation. It was a day that they laid down their burdens. It was a day that you forgot about the field that needed to be toiled. It was the day that you forgot about the tent that needed to be mended and, and the house that needed to be repaired and everybody just rest and enjoy the presence of the Lord. Down through time, though the Sabbath day became a twisted and distorted doctrine, the Pharisees picked it up and bound it upon those people as grievous burdens that they could not even pick up with one of their own little fingers. And the Pharisees and the Lord had a quite a bit of clash over the Sabbath day. The Pharisees criticized the disciples for plucking corn on the Sabbath day, and then later they criticized the Lord for even healing on the Sabbath day. And the Lord reminded them that the Sabbath day was not made to be a weight on us, but the Sabbath day was made to help us. The Sabbath day was made to strengthen us and to encourage us and to help us in Christ. And then Paul comes on down in the book of Colossians chapter 2 verses 16 and 17 and he addresses the subject of the Sabbath day again. 
Corinthian. He says, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or a holiday or a holy day or a new moon or in the Sabbath day, which are all shadows of things to come. He said, now Israel, you have enjoyed in your past days, the Sabbath day, you've enjoyed Saturday. You've rested in it. You've had your relaxation in it. You've let your oxen rest. You've let your maidservant rest. You've let your manservant rest. But he said that was only a type and a shadow of things that were yet to come. You, all you had was just, just a taste and just a, a shadow and all you had was just an anticipation but you didn't have the real thing. But the body is of Christ. He said, now let me explain to you Israel what the real significance and the real substance of that old seventh day really was. He said, you see, when God, which is a spirit, came and manifested himself in flesh, took upon himself the form of man, and he came and was born in a manger where animals feed and climaxed his life on a cross where thieves die. He became the substance and he became the reality of that old seventh day that you long for every week. When he came and was born in a manger and then grew and walked upon earth's soil, he became the reality of that Old Testament Saturday. Therefore, when those Jews, if their eyes could have been open, and I pray they become open yet today, if they could have become open then, when they saw him walking, they could have said, there goes our Saturday. There goes our rest. There goes our relaxation. There goes our peace. The Lord then addressed the subject himself. He's clashed with the Pharisees over it. Paul's addressed the subject. Moses has taught him about it. But now the Lord himself addresses the subject of the Sabbath day in the book of Matthew chapter 11 and verse number 28 when he proclaims, Come unto me, all ye that labor. All of you that are carrying around your weights, all of you that are carrying around your loads, all of you that are carrying around your problems and your difficulties, come unto me, all ye that labor. What he was telling those old Jews was this, you used to have to wait to Saturday to lay your worrying down. You used to have to wait to Saturday to lay your load down. You used to have to wait to Saturday to find rest, but not no more. Now you can come unto me all you to labor. Anybody carrying any burdens tonight? Anybody carrying any coils tonight? Anybody carrying any hardships tonight? Come unto Jesus all ye that labor. 
We understand that this world is carrying a heavy load upon their shoulders. We understand that there is an increasing amount of frustration and worry that is gripping the society that we live in today. There is an increasing force of difficulty that is being placed upon every home. They're bending under the load of it. They're seeking psychiatric help. They're turning to suicide to try to find means out of it. Honey, you don't have to do it that way. I know a rest that is more complete than Saturday. Saturday just lasted a few hours, but I know a body that time can't do away with. I know a body that time cannot destroy, that a cross cannot slay, and that a tomb cannot bury. The body is of Christ. There's rest in Jesus. Oh, the load that we've carried for years, the frustration that we have carried for years, the back that is bent, that has become stooped because of the load that is upon our back does not have to be that way no more because I have found a better Sabbath day and that is in the fulfillment of Jesus Christ. You hear me? I don't know who I'm addressing tonight, but you can observe that seventh day if you want to. You can hold on to Saturday if you want to. I'm telling you tonight, friend, I found a better Saturday and his name is Jesus. You think I'm going to hold on to some worn out law and dogma? You're crazy. I found the new, fresh truth of God manifested in the flesh. No wonder he finished the statement like this. Come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I, and I, not Saturday, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me for I am meek and lowly and you shall find rest. You shall find rest. You shall find rest for your souls. I'm not waiting on Saturday. I'm enjoying Jesus on Monday. I'm not waiting on Saturday. I'm enjoying rest on Sunday. I'm not waiting on Saturday. I'm enjoying rest on Wednesday. I'm not waiting on Saturday. I'm resting on Friday because there's rest in the body of Jesus. Oh, yes, that there is. Praise the Lord. Brother Charles, if I could have your help tonight, please. Reading for me the book of Hebrews chapter 4, verses 4 through 11. Paul begins to tell us a little more about this Sabbath day experience that is surrounding us. In the book of Hebrews chapter 4, verses 4 through 11, lets us know that there is a rest for this world. If you would read it loud and clear for me, Brother Charles. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day. He spoke of it like this. Read. And God did rest the seventh day from all of his works. Yes. If they shall enter into my rest. Some must enter therein. Yes, read. 
and they didn't enter in because of unbelief. Read. Yes. After so long a time, yes. If you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Read. If Joshua, that's really Joshua, if Joshua would have given them rest. But he spoke of another day. He spoke of another day. I'm glad I know what that other day is. I'm glad I know what that other day that Joshua was talking about really was. And he spoke of another day. Read, Brother Charles. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that has entered into his rest, he has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest lest any man should fall. After the same example of unbelief, God wanted to give Israel two types of rest. He wanted to give them rest from their enemies and he wanted to give them rest on that Saturday. They did not conquer their enemies and they polluted his Sabbath. But Joshua said, just because you didn't enter into it, just because you didn't believe it, don't do away with the rest. There, therefore, is still a rest unto the people of God. It's not Canaan's land and it's not Saturday, but it come in the form of a body in a manger. Let us therefore labor. Let us therefore work to enter into that rest lest we should fall after the same example of unbelief. You can disbelieve in God manifested in the flesh if you want to and carry around your load of sin and carry around your frustration and carry around your evil. But as for me and my house, I'm going to believe in him because he is my rest. Somebody said praise the Lord I feel a better Sabbath in this place tonight It's Sunday But I feel a Sabbath day coming on Yes Because there's rest In the body In the book of Isaiah chapter 28 Verses 11 to 12 Isaiah tells Israel Hey, Israel, get ready. There's coming another one. You've been walking on Saturday, and you've been waiting on Saturday, but there's a coming another one, and it's going to be a little different than Saturday. Read it, Brother Charles. For with stammering lips and another tongue, will it speak to this people? To whom he said... This is the rest. Yes, read. Wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Isaiah said, hey, Israel, get ready. Next time the rest comes in, it's not coming in the form of Saturday, but it's coming in the form of another tongue. 
Yeah, it is. It's not coming in in the form of a Saturday, but it's coming in in the form of another tongue. And it's going to be a rest and a refreshing. Anybody want to wait on Saturday? Not on your life. I found a rest and a refreshing. And then in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, Brother Charles. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rush and mighty wind. And it filled all the place. Yeah, read. Where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them a trance to whom he said, this is the rest and this is the refreshing. To whom he said, this is the rest and this is the refreshing. I'll tell you what that better Sabbath is. The body brought the infilling of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the Sabbath. Hey, you're missing it. You're missing it. You're holding on to some worn out, outworn dogmas of the Old Testament that were just types and shadows. You can sit down with just just a taste. You can sit down with types if you want to, but I'm telling you, there's a more complete joy than Saturday. That's enjoying the Holy Ghost on Monday. That's arrested on Tuesday. That's arrested on Wednesday. That's arrested on Thursday. That's arrested on Friday. That's arrested on Saturday because there's a rest in the Holy Ghost. Those old Pharisees made that Sabbath day legalistic. They bounded on them. And the Lord told them that man was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for man. Friend, I want you to know the Holy Ghost was designed for humanity. The Holy Ghost was designed for hungry hearts. The Holy Ghost was designed for people that need God. This thing is not legalism. This thing is not bondage. This thing is not restraint. This thing is not restriction. This is not a jailhouse. Honey, I want you to know this is freedom and liberty in the Holy Ghost. He said, take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly. That old yoke was a double yoke that both oxen 
put their head in, one on one side and one on the other. And you know what they did? They shared the load. They pulled together. When one couldn't make it, the other one picked up. You know what the Lord said? He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Ah, that doesn't mean bondage. That don't mean tying you down. That means you put your head in on this side, and he's got his head on the other side. And when you can't pull, he pulls for you. Y'all have put your head in the yoke. The Holy Ghost was designed to help you. You're missing the greatest blessing of all, friend, but denying the power of the Holy Ghost. I repeat what I said the very first night of this revival. If the Holy Ghost is of the devil, pray tell me why the devil's folks don't get it. If the Holy Ghost is of the world, pray tell me why the world don't get it. I'm telling you this thing's too hot for hell. It's too holy for the devil. It's too pure for sin. Friend, it's only good enough for those that have repented. Glory. Hallelujah. He said there appeared clothing tongues like as a fire that set upon each of them. You know what that was in the Old Testament in the time of man except a got a sacrifice accepted. God rained fire out of heaven. And that meant I have approved the sacrifice. You know what the Lord was telling those hard-headed Pharisees and scribes, that stiff-necked Sanhedrin council, he was saying, hey, look, in the Old Testament, I did it in types and shadows. I accepted bullocks and lambs, but I don't do it that way no more. I'm accepting living sacrifices that have been presented unto me holy and acceptable, which is their reason service and I'm taking my Saturday and I'm putting it on the inside of them I said he's putting it on the inside of you I said do you have it on the inside of you I said is it resting you on the inside there's power in the Holy Ghost there's rest in the Holy Ghost. I'm not holding on to Saturday. I found the full significance. I found a better Saturday. The Bible tells us that they were to keep that Sabbath holy. They were to keep it holy. They wanted to defile it and pollute it and mess it up. They had to keep it holy. When Israel came out of Egypt, they came out, the biggest bunch of murmuring, bickering, complaining, fussing, feuding bunch of folk you ever did see. I mean, I'd hate to have been their pastor because you couldn't get along with them for love no money. 
Moses had a whole lot more something or another that I don't have. They wanted manna. He got a manna. Every morning they went out and got manna. Now let's not be too hard on Israel. I mean, if you had to eat manna every morning, you'd probably fuss about it too. There's only a thousand and one ways to fix manna and manna helper. I mean, there's only so much. (laughs) And you'd fuss about it too. And when they didn't like that, God sent them quail every evening. I mean, hunters, they didn't have to go hunting for it. They just brought it in every evening. And while it was between their teeth, God caused it to be a stink in their nostrils. And they loathed that and fussed. And then they got thirsty and he gave them water out of a rock. And they didn't like that. And then to beat it all, they got mad at Pastor Moses. And they fussed at him. And they run him down. By the way, it's not in the notes, but don't you dare say anything against your pastor. You ought to have shame, shame, shame said over you and a whole bunch of other stuff if you ever say anything against your pastor. I'm so glad I'm not God. Because if I was, the human race would have already been wiped out. I mean, I don't have the patience to put up with folks like God does. God just is so merciful. People does a bunch of junk. And you know what God does? He judges them, forgives them, and forgets it. When they fussed about the manna, he judged them, forgave them, and forgot it. When they fussed about the quail, he judged them, forgave them, and forgot it. When they fussed about the pasture, he judged them, forgave them, and forgot it. When they fussed about the water, he judged them, forgave them, and forgot it. But one Saturday, there was a little old man. He wasn't meaning no harm. He wasn't fussing about the manna. He wasn't fussing over quail. He wasn't running the preacher down. He wasn't doing nothing. All he wanted was just a little kindling wood for his fire. That's all he wanted. He, he wasn't gossiping and backbiting, bickering and complaining. All he was doing was just wanting some kindling wood for his fire that he might go home and roast his manna and his quail. And somebody was a big tattletale and went home and told Moses that the little old fella out there was picking up sticks. And Moses went and told God. And God came back and told Moses that that guy ought to be taken outside the camp and stoned because he picked up sticks not run down heaven sent manna not fussed about quail not argued over water coming out of the rock or talked against the preacher but he picked up sticks on Saturday that seems crazy and and peculiar to me but when I come to the New Testament I understand that that on a particular occasion the Lord cast a devil out of a person and when he did the Pharisees rose against him and said by Beelzebub he cast Beelzebub out by the prince of the devils he does this and the Lord proceeded to give them a Bible lesson that a house divided against itself just cannot stand and then you can't cast the devil out by the devil and then he proceeded with this 
that any sin committed against the Son of Man shall be forgiven in this life and the life to come. But any sin, any blaspheming against the Holy Ghost cannot be forgiven in this life or the life to come. You can spit at the manger. You can laugh at the cross. You can point your skeptic finger at the church. You can laugh at our worship. You can scorn the way we praise. You can argue with our theology. You can bicker and debate over what we believe in. And if I understand God right, you could come to this altar with genuine tears rolling down your cheeks and repent. And God would forgive you. But don't you ever, don't you never, ever take a curse word or a blaspheming or curse or deny the power of the Holy Ghost because it is a New Testament Sabbath day experience. I've heard of people that have backslid. I've heard of people that has went out of the church and when they went out of the church, somebody asked them why they wasn't living for God anymore and they would make such statements as this that I just don't want to live that way no more. It was real. I felt something while I was there but I just don't want to live that way. And that individual could come back to this altar and repent and God would forgive him. Let that same backslider walk out of the door and somebody ask him about his past belief in God and he vehemently begins to curse and deny the existence of God. Deny the power of the Holy Ghost. Begin to curse it openly. Begin to take accusation against him. That person is living on very dangerous territory in the sight of God. Friend, when you can backslide and still keep your convictions, there's a hope for you. But when you backslide and lose your convictions and trust in God. You're living on a dangerous territory. You remember this. The Holy Ghost is holy and sacred and pure and you ought never do anything that violates its pureness. You'll never get a gift on your birthday that is as precious as the power of the Holy Ghost. You'll never get a gift at Christmas time that's as great as the gift of the Holy Ghost. Nobody will ever bestow any greater honor upon you than baptizing you with an old-fashioned dose of heavenly Holy Ghost that starts at the top of your head and goes all the way to the bottom of your feet and makes you shiver and quake and goosebumps run up and down your spine and you talk and talk and begin to praise and magnify God. It's the greatest gift you could ever get. You ought to love it. You ought to praise it. You ought to worship it. You ought to magnify it. You ought to rejoice in it. You ought to glorify it. It's the gift of the Holy Ghost. It is a holy, a holy, a holy experience. You're not just playing games when you come up here and get the Holy Ghost. You're not just getting something for the fun of it when you get the Holy Ghost. You're not just getting something up here to walk out the door and do as you please. 
You're not just getting something up here to get it in your heart and then leave out there and, and, and go about your, your worldly activities. Friend, I want you to know when you get something up here, you've got something that'll keep you until the world is burning up in flames. You've got something that'll keep you through every dark night, every lonely hour. It is a holy, you hear me? It's not just a ghost or a spirit. It is a holy ghost. It is a holy spirit. It is a sacred experience. It is a better Sabbath day. Don't pollute it and defile it and desecrate it and destroy it. That Holy Ghost is special. Not only was that Sabbath day to be kept holy by that old Jew, but that Sabbath day was a time of communion with God. When they set aside Saturday, it was a day that they set aside to hear from God and them to talk to God. It was a day that they had set aside for their family to be saturated by the power of the Lord. When you read in the book of Isaiah chapter 56 and verse 2, Ezekiel chapter 20, verses 12 and verse 21, you read that it was a sign between them and God that they might know God. That's what the Sabbath day was for. It was a day of communion with God. No wonder the book of John chapter 14 and verse number 26 says, And the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Friend, when you receive the power of the Holy Ghost, you receive the means to communicate with God. You receive the means for God to communicate with you. And you receive the means to communicate with heaven. You haven't just received something to get you out of hell. You haven't just received something to get you into heaven. You have received something to communicate to God with. No wonder the book of Romans chapter 8 says that the Spirit would make intercession for us with groanings that could not be uttered. I may cross some of your theology. I love books. I got lots of them. I got a bookshelf and my trailer full of them. I got a cabinet full of them. And I got 15 boxes at home somewhere in storage full of books. I like books. I don't buy much fishing equipment. I don't buy any guns, but I love books. Some star quarterback telling us how to have the fruit of the Spirit. We don't need some, some junkie out here telling us how to worship and praise and magnify God. Friend, if you want to understand the book, I said if you want to understand the book, if you want to know what's in the holy pages between this, this leather that I hold in my hand, if you want to understand it, what you ought to do is get somewhere with God. Open your Bible. Get on your knees and start praying. And when you start praying, you're going to start praying in that other tongue and start talking to God and communicating with Him. And while you're communicating with Him, God's going to start opening your eyes and understanding to the word of God 
Friend, if you want to know something about the book, why don't you ask the author of the book, the power of the Holy Ghost. My grandmother once told me, she said I used to read the book. She, I didn't understand it. She said, and I'd get down, and I'd pray, and I'd ask God, God would just show me what it is. She said, and it wouldn't be more than about a Sunday night or two, and I'd go to church. She said, and the preacher would either take his text on it, or he'd bring it somewhere in his sermon, and just unfold it. Friend, I want you to know the Holy Ghost is the means of communing with that other world. It's the means of talking to God. I wonder how long it's been since some of us commune with him and heard from him and our understanding was open to what God really wanted us to know. Friend, you're not going to understand it by just observing Saturday. You're not going to figure the book out by just keeping a holy day. But you're going to understand the book by keeping the Holy Ghost alive and fervent in your heart. The devil is, is dumb. Double dumb. I mean, he don't know a whole lot what he's doing. He understands Spanish. He understands Portuguese. He understands French. He understands English. Even if it's my kind of English, he understands it. But when the devil gets in the prayer closet with a sign of God that's ready for a rest. When he gets in a prayer closet with a child of God that's waiting on a refreshing and that child of God starts talking in other tongues. The devil says, Portuguese I know, Spanish I understand, English I can, I, I can cipher that all out, but I don't know what these folks are talking about. What are they doing? And then about that time, that language brings the Spirit of God on wings into that room, and he says, hey, this place is getting hotter than hell for me. I'm ready to get out of here and go back to a cooler place. Friend, you ought to commune in the Holy Ghost. You ought to talk in tongues before God. You ought to pray in tongues. You ought to worship in tongues before God. And I ain't talking about a prayer language. I'm talking about a spirit gave the utterance. Bless your little heart. This ain't just a prayer language. This is the power of God that worketh on the inside of us. I heard a pitiful tape here a few years ago of a man that was teaching a congregation the prayer language and he went through a Bible study on, on, on the beautiful attributes of a prayer language and then he began talking in his prayer language and then began to teach the congregation how to have this prayer language and on the tape they would start out with their prayer language he'd say that it that's it add some more M's put some more N sounds in it add some P sounds you need some B 
sounds in that. Incorporate all the letters of the alphabet. Friend, I want you to know there was no man that taught this to me. I didn't say the vowels backwards to get it. Nobody rattled my jaw. Nobody pounded my back. Nobody poured it in me. But when I opened my mouth as an eight-year-old child, God poured in the Holy Ghost and my tongue got to doing something that I couldn't understand. But when I came to my understanding, I knew I was communicating with that other world in tongues. It's a heavenly language. God understands it. Hey, friend. When you understand this better Sabbath, you're going to get bored just waiting on Saturday. You're going to get bored just sitting around twiddling your thumbs on a Saturday high. But oh, if you want something you can enjoy, if you want something you can really feel, start in on Monday just a praising and a worshiping and a communicating with that other world. And it gets exciting. It gets thrilling. It gets dynamic because there's power in the Holy Ghost. Somebody said praise the Lord. Somebody said hallelujah. I believe there's a Sabbath in this place on Sunday. Hey, you come here tonight looking for a church service. I'm here to show you a rest and a refreshing. You thought you rested yesterday. Friend, you're about ready to rest better than you've ever rested before when God fills you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Not only was it a day that they communed with God, but the book of Numbers chapter 10 and verse number 10 says the Sabbath was a day of gladness. Isaiah chapter 58 and verse number 13 says it was a delight. Hosea chapter 2 and verse number 11 says it was a mirth unto them. That Sabbath was a joyous occasion. It was an occasion where they wiped the frowns off and put the smiles on. It was a day where they felt good. They didn't have to work no more. They didn't have to push the oxen. They didn't have to till toil, till the field. They didn't have to get their maid, maid servants out and their man servants out. It was a day of joy and relaxation. No wonder the Bible lets us know in Romans chapter 14 and verse number 17 that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. No wonder as I preached to you the other night that the Samaritan church rejoiced when they heard the preaching of Christ because the Holy Ghost is a joy. No wonder the Ethiopian eunuch went on his way rejoicing because the Holy Ghost is a delight. Somebody made the big mistake of thinking and some said it that the Holy Ghost, if you get it, it's going to make you like sour pusses. You can't have no fun and have the Holy Ghost. I'm having more fun right now than I had in a lot of times. Somebody says you get the Holy Ghost 
going to make you sit around on a cloud with a harp and a halo <laughs> plucking strings all day. <laughs> Can't do nothing. I don't know who told you that, but they didn't get what I got. They may have got some kind of formalistic, ritualistic, dry religion, but what I got, friend, is fun. You can take a fishing trip and sit on the side of a pond or get you the biggest, fanciest, most deluxe bass boat and get in the middle of the biggest lake. Don't nobody leave yet. With your fishing rods in the water and have the Holy Ghost with you and you'll have more fun than any fisherman on the lake that day. Get your gun and sit in some old silly tree waiting for some old deer to come slumbering by and you're going to have more fun twiddling your thumbs waiting on that deer to come by than anybody else I have just because you've got the power of the Holy Ghost working on the inside of you. You hear me? Holy Ghost filled people have more fun than anybody else. Anything we do with the Holy Ghost is fun. Whether it's in the church preaching or whether it's out there socializing, we have fun filled with the power and the glory and the majesty of the Holy Ghost. I'm sorry, you can wait on Saturday to have fun if you want to. It's Sunday night and I'm about ready to bust my buttons. Uh, you can wait on Saturday to have fun if you want to, but I'm going to have fun tomorrow morning because you know what I'm going to get up with? I'm going to get up with wells of living water springing up under everlasting life on the inside of me. Anybody want a better Sabbath? Anybody want a better rest? If you walk out of here holding on to Saturday, friend, you're going to walk out missing the greatest experience in all your life. Because there's power in the Holy Ghost. My God, I feel the power of the Lord here tonight. It ain't even Saturday, and I feel so much glory in this place. I believe he's got his arms outstretched saying, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give unto you rest. Everybody's going to promise to help me preach for the next few minutes. Say, Praise the Lord. When you read in the Bible of Calvary, they had to take him off of the cross because the Sabbath was a coming. And they couldn't have him hanging on the cross on the Sabbath. The Sabbath marked the end of the creative week. The Sabbath marked the end of the law. I said the Sabbath marked the end of the law. 
the Sabbath marked the end of types and shadows. But after Calvary, you don't read about the Sabbath much no more. You know what you read about? And the women came as it began to dawn on the first day of the week. And they found a resurrected Lord. The Sabbath marks the ending. But a resurrected body marks the beginning of the rest of your life. Get ready, Saturday keeper, because I want you to know this baptism didn't come on Saturday. It didn't come on the ending. And it marked the end of creation. And it didn't mark the end of redemption or the law. But you know what happened on the first day of the week? All of a sudden, a rushing mighty wind filled the place. The Holy Ghost came on the first day of the week. You can live on the ending if you want. I'm living on the beginning. Hey, friend, Saturday's over. You're not going to find it in Scripture no more. But what you will find is that the Holy Ghost, whether you're 65, 75, 85, or 105, is just the beginning of the rest of your life. You can hold on to worn out laws and dogmas. You can hold on to Saturdays if you want to. You can hold on to ritualistic, formalistic ideas and thinking. Oh, you want to hold on to it. But I'm ready to step into the beginning of the first day. Into miracles and signs and wonders. And the power and the glory of the Holy Ghost. Because God has given to me a better Sabbath day. Let me draw a clearer picture. If you have not got it yet. If it has not sunk home, what I have been preaching about for the next I don't know how long I want you to know I've been preaching on this. That in the Old Testament they waited on Saturday to rest. In the Old Testament they looked for Saturday to lay down their laboring. But what I've been trying to get across for the last little while is this. Is that in the New Testament we don't wait on Saturday but we have the power of God living on on the inside of us and that power is Saturday in the form of the Holy Ghost and it is a rest and it is a refreshing and it is an upliftment and it is an encouragement anybody want to rest in the Holy Ghost tonight anybody want to get a refreshing of the Holy Ghost tonight anybody wants your tired ritualistic formalistic muscles massaged by the power of the Lord and let me make one more point Paul said no day in your Bible that you hold on your lap and if you believe in the Bible, honey, you better believe it from Genesis to Revelation. No day is of any higher regard than any other day. That all days are the same. If your Bible says that, pray tell me why are you waiting 
on Saturday. If your Bible says that no day is any higher than any other day, and God does not regard one day above the other, Pray tell me why you think Saturday's any more holy than Sunday and Sunday any more holy than Monday. Friend, we don't observe Sunday because we think it's holy. We just set aside Sunday because we want a day to worship God. We don't have to have Sunday to do this. We can do it on Monday. We can have Monday school and, and Monday evening shouting. Put it on Tuesday if you want to for us. I don't care. I'll work. I'll work Wednesday through Monday. And we'll have Tuesday school and Tuesday evening praising. Matter of fact, I think we just might as well drop that school bit because everybody thinks it's supposed to come and be still when you start talking about school. We ought to have Sunday morning praising and Sunday night praising. Glory. But I'll tell you what's higher than any day. I'll tell you what transcends all time. And that is the power of the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's real on Monday, Brother Elder. Sydney in that Lincoln Continental. Bear it up to your eyebrows in snow. Not being able to see nothing. Sitting right there on Friday evening while we was enjoying a warm building with a whole lot of fun, worshiping and praising and magnifying God. You know, Saturday wasn't even here yet. But you know what this guy was doing on Friday night while five hours in a snowbank? He was arresting in the Holy Ghost. He was arrested in the Holy Ghost. Excuse me, it's Sunday, and I want to rest in the Holy Ghost. Yes! Rest! 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 Hey, there's no limit on this Sabbath. You're the only one that puts a time limit on it. You're the only one that sets the clock on it. You just rest. Oh, you want to rest in the Holy Ghost.
your frustrations. What I'm asking you to do right now is to park your burdens and your frustrations and your cares and your anxieties at this altar. And I'm asking you to let God take this revealed truth and instill it into your heart. Till everybody in this building leaves here tonight full. I said everybody, from the youngest child to the oldest of adults, till they leave here tonight full of the rest and the refreshing of the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to give an altar call. I'm not going to plead with nobody. It's your Sunday night and it's your Holy Ghost. It just depends on how much you want from God and how much you rest. Here's your altar and here's your chance to be rested in God. Have at it. My yoke upon thee. Yeah. Hear yeah. me and be glad. You don't have to wait on Saturday, honey. Oh, I, I said you don't have to wait on Saturday. What you wait on Saturday for? You're going to have to wait seven more days. You don't have to wait on Saturday. Oh, oh. 